and welcome to our podcast. We are the Kinotomic, a movie podcast that bridges the cinema nostalgia of the golden age of Hollywood with the explosive modernity of contemporary cinema. I'm your host Danny, and with me, as always, is my co-host Nick. Hello. Thank you for joining us again today for another conversation about some of our favorite films. Give us a follow on Twitter at Kinotomic if you like film noir. We begin our noir season with one of my favorite films of all time. It's one of those films whose memory of first viewing will always rem- remain with me, I feel. I didn't watch it at the cinema, but I will always remember where I was and how it, how it made me feel, how much thrill, fear and awe it inspired. I'm sad to say that the director of this film, Charles Lawton, although very talented, has only had this one's directing credit to his name, begging the question what might have been. But enough with this lengthy introduction because I want to hear what my colleague Nick thought of it. So Charles Lawton's The Night of the Hunter, 1955, here is a quick synopsis. A religious fanatic marries a gullible widow whose young children are reluctant to tell him where their real daddy hid the $10,000 he'd stolen in a robbery. So Nick, what did you think of The Night of the Hunter? So yeah, um, it is November week one. Um, I'm going to start off, I'm going to steal a bit from, from, uh, from the Slash Filmcast. Um, one of my favourite film podcasts. Um, so my watchlist has had this film on it for, for quite a long time. Um, it's been adapted from a book about a man with a mysterious past, uh, weird voice inflection, and uh, general creepiness with a penchant for murder who terrorises some children into trying to reveal the, the whereabouts of some money. But enough about Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Um... Yeah, uh, I I don't know if you if you'd seen uh, if you, I don't know if you've read if you read the books. No, I haven't. But I've seen the I've seen the um, Jim Carrey film. So yeah, um, it, it's really quite incredible how how much like of an influence this film is on on a on a book series that I I, I really really love as a kid and kind of consumed quite a lot as a kid. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, that this this film is this film has been on my watch list for quite a quite a long time. Um, it's always popped up on you know best of lists. Um, always gets referenced uh, every every November, um, especially the last couple of years with this whole Noir November uh, thing that's that's been happening. Um, so I've kind of been really glad to kind of get it get it knocked off my list. This this film is this film is incredible. Um, you know that there are shots in this film that that really do belong in a museum. Uh, to quote my favourite fictional archaeologist, um, off the top of my head, you know, is there is the there is the um, almost the, the almost like chapel like uh, shape of the mother's bedroom um, with Robert Mitchum's uh, pooch holding his arm towards the the night sky filled window, and then there's the the really striking image of the one that's in the the, the mother in the car. Um, kind of like a hair flowing in the river with the weeds, um, really, really striking and haunting as well. Oh my god! Um, 
as an image I'd seen I've seen before in you know textbooks and you know video essays and stuff and it's kind of really beautiful to see it and it's really held for a really really long time yes very true um yeah like I said you know like I said like this film um this film is one I've heard a lot about and it to us I really wasn't expecting it to be as dark uh, as dark as it was you know I was expecting it you know to kind of be noirish but I wasn't really expecting it to go some of the places it ends up going especially especially some of the places where where Robert Mitchum's Harry Powell goes um you know he he is a, a wonderfully despicable creation um possibly like the film character i've hated the most since oh god um Joaquin Phoenix's uh, Commodus in Gladiator mm. um you know when when it comes to kind of films like this you know they kind of hinge almost on on whether whether children or actors kind of end up pulling off you know they they end up kind of what's the word be really really good um and if they're not then the film kind of falls apart i'm really really thankful that the both children in here are really 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 good especially i thought the girl uh pearl um really 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 adorable and and really really quite kind of convincing she was she was very good yeah i'm I'm really kind of like the film is is kind of has this kind of amazing like engrossing uh, script um, and a really really engrossing story and unlike the other film we kind of watch it kind of has kind of has an ending which yeah it kind of restores my faith in humanity um, especially what's going on at the moment um, <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> and it's like a, a, a totally happy kind of un- unambiguous ending I was really kind of glad that the film ended up going into that third act um you know it was really i was relieved almost you know that to, to we got to to rachel cooper um i don't know the actress who who plays her um yeah sorry no yeah okay we're getting we're getting we're gonna get there um i clearly shocked shocked you right there um yeah uh clearly meant to know who she is um yeah I mean, she's she's a character who's like really really endearing and kind of like pure and on old-fashioned caring kind of a character you don't really really see anymore funny you should say that <laughs> um so yeah no this this film is this film is really, really incredible like i said i'm kind of anchored by this incredible performance by robert mitchum yeah um you know and and the kids kind of and the kids and the actress um, who plays uh, Rachel Cooper? Um, uh, yeah, she's just really, really good. And kind of this nice, kind of happy ending that kind of ends on this note of Christmas, um, which kind of you know is really kind of nice to see um, in the connotations that come with Christmas. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was truly, truly incredible. I'm glad that you enjoyed it, and yeah, it is very dark and very beautifully shot as well i'll get into that i just yeah i found robert mitchum utterly utterly terrifying i believe this was the first film i've ever saw him in and i've always found him so believable that i always associated him with this character of harry powers 
Producer Paul Gregory thought that um, Mitchum was closer in reality to his character, actually. He said, and I quote, He was an evil son of a bitch with a lot of charm. He sort of scared me, not to tell you the truth. I was always on guard. He was often in a state and you never knew what he would do next. Um, so, end quote. So I think in the film you kind of see the charm because Harry Powers, is, he manages to charm everybody around him that he's a preacher and that he's he's nice, he's thoughtful and whatnot. Even Willa and her neighbours and friends and everyone, even girl Ruby and the, you know. But there's like the darkness in it and it's just utterly, utterly terrifying. The Charles Lawton, the director, he, he really enjoyed working with, with Robert Mitchum and he said that he was one of the best actors in the world. And I quote, he said, he's a literate, gracious, kind man with wonderful manners and he speaks beautifully when he wants to. He's a tender man and a very great gentleman. You know, he's really terribly shy. End quote. So, um... It's it's quite weird to find such conflicting statements about Robert Mitchum. Um, I've not I don't know who he was in real life. Maybe he had a bit of Harry Powers in him to 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 get such a great performance out of him. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed the, the sort of aesthetic of the film. Um, I wanted to develop it a bit on that. According to novelist Dave, David Grubb, on which the film is based, Charles Lawton wanted the film to closely resemble the mental pictures the author had in mind when he wrote the book. In the uh, Lee Server biography, Robert Mitchum, Baby, I Don't Care, the author stated that Lawton learned that Grubb was an amateur sketch artist who liked to draw scenes and caricatures of the people he created in his fiction. Seeing the value of such visualizations by the hand of the author himself, Lawton had him send them to Hollywood and he basically had him help with the production and sometimes specifying that Grubb draw the expression of a character f character's face that he had in mind when writing a particular scene. So yeah, that's kind of like what's behind the aesthetic of the film and, and behind the beautiful darkness of it and now I cannot believe that you didn't know who plays um, the, the motherly figure have you ever heard of have you ever heard of Lillian Gish no no I, I, I haven't what oh my god Lillian Gish have you heard of a film called uh, birth of a nation of course I have we've, we've discussed it on here okay so who plays, who's the main character in Birth of a Nation? Was it Lillian Gish by any chance? Anyway, so Lillian Gish is one of the screen goddesses of, of like silent cinema. Hello. Uh, she plays the, the uh, Rachel Cooper with brilliance, I, I, I might add. I have a really interesting quote from Charles Lawton. Because Lillian Gish, when she was cast in the role, she he, she asked him why he wanted her for the part. And he replied, quote, When I first went to the movies, they sat in their chairs straight and leaned forward. 
Now they slump down with their heads back and eat candy and popcorn. I want them to sit up straight again. Which is why he he basically cast her in the film. You should, yeah, you should revisit the old Saturn films because Lady English was one of the great faces of, of Saturn cinema. Um, Stanley Cortez, the film's cinematographer, had also famously worked on Orson Welles' The Magnificent Ambersons. He remarked some years after the making of this film that only two directors he'd worked with had understood light and the incredible thing that cannot be described and can some sometimes be manipulated. And the two directors were, of course, Wells and Charles Lawton. And I find it a bit of a pity that Charles Lawton didn't direct any more movies after this. Um, I've I've done a bit of research and there's conflicting evidence to po pointing out that Charles Lawton um, didn't direct any more movies after this was because of the poor critical reviews. However, Lawton said that he much preferred directing in theatre because you could you could always improve on, on a performance when you change and amend the production. Um, but with the film, it's once it was done, it could never be altered. So I think that's one of the reasons he decided never to, to, to direct the film again. And, but I, I, like, like you said, it was just, it's, it's such a beautiful and such a dark and haunting film. And I think they knew that they, they had something special with this film. Uh, producer Paul Gregory and Charles Orton presented key members of the crew like cinematographer Stanley Cortez and, and other actors with a 1% interest in the film. This was given on top of the salaries as it was not done to encourage them but to reward them for their artistry because they understood how much how important it was what they were doing. And one final note from me, the um, Dutch-born American serial killer, Harry Powers, was the inspiration for the preacher, and he lured his victims through Lonely Hearts ads claiming he was looking for love, but ultimately murdering them for, for the money. So yeah, I think this theme of, of serial killers ties us nicely, for lack of a better word to our second film of our program so yeah that was uh, yeah that was a good segue um yeah so we move on to our second film um which is uh 2003's uh, memories of murder directed by uh, bong joon ho um i just got a brief synopsis uh, 1986 Gwangi province the body of a young woman is found brutally raped and murdered Two months later, a series of rapes and murders commences under similar circumstances, and in a country that had never known such crimes, the dark whispers about a serial murder grow louder. A special task force is set up in the area, with two local detectives, Park Doo Man and Jo Young Ju, joined by a detective from Seoul who requested to be assigned to the case. So this will be the time where I'm going to butcher or, or every single uh, South Korean name. Um, this film stars uh, Song Kang-ho, uh, Kim Sang-kyung, among others. Um, so yeah, the, you know, I've I've wanted, 
you know, when we when we started off this podcast, I had a list of kind of Asian directors um, that I kind of wanted to get Danny to watch films from. You know, we've we've had Seon Sono, we've had Park Chan Wook, and and now and now Bong Joon Ho, Oscar winning director, <laughs> please. Yeah, 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 Oscar winning, <laughs> Oscar winning Bong Joon Ho. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I still can't believe yeah. that that was this year. If there's one thing that is, if there's one good thing that happened in 2020, was this. Oh, uh, yeah. It did. It um, did. Just enjoy yeah. it. Just enjoy I, it. <laughs> just enjoy it. Um. Um. Yeah, it was. That was really, really incredible. I actually watched that video. Um. Um. Today, of uh, of um, him winning this best director, and and that it was just, it was truly, truly amazing. It was. It was indeed incredible. Um. So yeah, with kind of all that in mind, um, Danny, what did you think of Memories of Murder? Okay, so I didn't know whether to laugh or cry at this film. It was a bit like David Fincher meets Mr. Bean or Inspector Clouseau. I I laughed, I cried, I I liked it very much. I I'm not sure I loved it. I might I've just seen it very recently, like as per the rule. So it just felt too raw for me. It shows violence and murder in such a real way that it makes one very uncomfortable. I believe that with the Night of the Hunter, you have you have the, the evil such stylized in such a way that you feel like you're in the mind of 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 a psychopath, but it's you you feel a bit far removed from it. And like you said, everything is kind of nicely tied up with with a pink ribbon. With this, it just. It it felt so real. You believe that those detectives can be as idiotic as they are. You feel the frustration they feel when they have no leads and they literally have to go check the school toilet because someone told a story about someone lurking there once. Um, I don't know. It was there was a bit. It it kind of after having seen Parasite because you can't help but compare it with Parasite. I kind of understand what to expect from from this director, and it is his mind is is a brilliant mind, and you see the path, and the path is is the journey is is a roller coaster. Okay, so it was just a bit. It was yeah, it was it was incredible. That kid, Quan Ho. Quan Ho, yeah. Oh my god, my heart broke for that kid. I mean. I guess from the beginning that he was the witness and I was just so frustrated with how they were treating him. There was too much re- uh, violence, too much kicking around. I just wanted to to sort of hold him and just tell him that it was going to be okay. And I think his his demise was just unforgivable for me. It was just, it was like, if you've seen Sabotage, is it Sabotage? Hitchcock sabotage. There's there's a child killing in there, and it was as unforgivable as that. It was kind of felt like it was unnecessary. He shouldn't have died, and from that moment on, for me, it was just like I cannot, I cannot get over this. Um, shortly thereafter, you see that woman 
keep walking instead of making sure that the girl she's just crossed paths with is okay. It was too frustrating for words. It's it's the big what if. What if it done? What if one thing in the whole puzzle of things had been done differently? It would. It just. What if the car had started when it was supposed to? What if the woman had turned around and walked a while with the kid, making sure the kid got home okay? It was. Oh, it was incredibly shot. The cinematography was incredible. Seeing the in the night, the stormy, rainy night, seeing the head emerge from the from the barley or whatever field that was, was so scary. It's it just felt so real. It felt at times it felt too real to be enjoyed. You see, you see people just in their element, uh, talking, eating, just being assholes. It's just oh. yeah. So with with like I said, the idea of of evil, with the Night of the Hunter was kind of represented in in almost a mythical way. You had the evil had a face, and you had the chance to marvel and and shudder how terrifying the evil it was. With memories of murder, I just felt a bit frustrated. I know the whole point of it. I felt like I wanted some sort of closure. It just makes it closer to reality to a point that you just felt like I need to know the answers. I need answers. It leaves you feeling quite unsatisfied. It is a stroke of genius. I'm not disputing that. But it just felt a bit unsatisfied. And I had questions like, how could the killer be so clever not to get caught? But, I mean, if, we, if we're if we to assume that the killer was the guy that they kind of, the main suspect, was he so stupid to send the address to the radio? I don't think so. And, yeah... And it like that, the the <laughs> it was funny and it was sad at the t- same time. Of but it was kind of like poetic justice with the, the silly detective getting the tetanus in his leg. How stupid was that? That was just ridiculous. And yeah, and I just wanted to close in with a quote from a writer that I've I've been working with. Um, as you probably know, I've been contributing to um, a film publication called FilmCred, and they've um, they've published a new article a few days ago on memories of murder. And I'll I'll link to the whole article in the show notes. But I wanted to co- quote um, a tiny paragraph that kind of summed my feelings up on the film. Quote: On every front, this follows Bong's idea, Boone's idea that. All, all of his films are monster movies, but this monster is invisible. With realism at the forefront in, a, in order to capture an invisible horror. The monster, as it were, is a complex web of systems that interconnect to oppress. Um, so yeah, it just kind of hit home and it felt really, really real. <sighs> and that's kind of it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head pretty well there. Um, well, I think it's quite interesting you mentioned, mentioned Fincher because I have done in my notes so I, I feel that this film kind of almost like out Zodiac Zodiac. It's yeah. kind of really quite interesting to see the 
the link between the two um i think you know unlike unlike that film which is you know based on actual events this one's very kind of loosely based around uh true events between 1986 and 1991 which kind of ended up being becoming uh you know the country's first uh, serial murders um at the time of filming however you know no killer had been found um but in september 2019 which was which was last year a killer was identified wow. um obviously bun jong ho being you know the director that made the film based on the events you know was was asked quite a lot um was asked about you know what he thought um and this was around about the same time as you know parasite was kind of doing the press rounds and what have you um so yeah um i've got a quote here from the la times which i'm gonna link to in the show notes um when i made the film i was very curious and i also thought a lot about this murderer i very i wondered what he looks like he was the only one who i could not meet finally last week i was able to see a photo of his face and i think i need more time to explain my emotions from that Right now, I'd just like to applaud the police force for their endless effort to find the culprit. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of interesting you point out the kind of like the bungling of of the the police officers and what have you, because the killer was 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 interviewed actually um, a few days ago. There's an interview that appears on the Indie Wire. Um, I think it's quotes taken from from South Korea media. And a quote here from from the from the murderer. He says, I still don't understand why I wasn't a suspect. Crimes happen around me and I didn't try to hide things, so I thought I would get caught easily. There were hundreds of police forces. I bumped into detectives all the time, but they always asked me what people around me... You always asked what people... about people around me. (sighs) So yeah, there was kind of one thing I wanted to kind of, like, talk about was how... um, you mentioned it like the film the film kind of has this kind of weird jarring effect with uh like tone as it were which is i mean this really really kind of effect um kind of pronounced in in south korean cinema from the early 2000s um i don't know if you kind of remember it from from old boy yes um but like park chan wook is very very kind of good at that kind of jarring of of you know black humor but with and then kind of like shocking violence and then silliness uh bon Jung ho does it very very effectively here um in in memories of murder um he's very very good at it in kind of almost detrimental effect in in, in a film like Orkja. yeah i felt i felt that like three billboards outside of missouri owed a great debt to to the type of humor and the type of drama that um oscar winning director bong joon ho does yeah three three billboards i think i think kind of does it okay um i'm not a massive fan of that film and uh, not compared to to martin madonna's other other work um well i think is really one of the things that's already really special about memories of murder is that this was Bong Joon-ho's, you know, second feature film, sorry, Oscar-winning director Bong Joon-ho's second feature film after his um, his first film uh, called Barking Dogs Never Bite, which, you know, is, is quite a raw film, but it's kind of shows kind of what was to come. Um, in here, like, he, you know, when the second murder, when you see the second victim kind of come, come to light, you know, there's this amazing kind of one-shot where we follow uh, Song Kang Ho's detective through through the through the field, kind of see the kids running around and and the, and the detectives kind of falling over, 
you know, the, the tractor kind of like running over the the footprint. It made me think of um of Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia, because the investigation was 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 always was tainted with like journalists and people, and uh, most of the evidence was was kind of damaged and destroyed and compromised, like in this film, because there were people swarming at the at the crime scene. Yeah, I think I think kind of Bong Joon, Bong, Oscar winning Bong Joon Ho, kind of shows that really well. Um, kind of like the chaos of, of something and kind of showing how, you know, detectives aren't kind of used to that at, at the time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really quite glad you you really you actually enjoyed this or you know you seen so you saw this. Um, I'm really glad that I've discovered another another film of of Oscar winning director um, Bong Joon Ho. I think he's incredible. I think he's a genius. Yeah, I think he's I think he's pretty much a genius as well. Um, I don't know I don't know how familiar you are with his with his filmography. I don't know if you've you've seen any others. No, 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 no. This and Parasite are probably the only films I've seen of his. So yeah, I mean, I I want to get more of his films on here. Um, you know, he he started off let's see, like I said in, in with the aforementioned Barking Dogs Never Bite in two thousand. Um, then this in oh three Memories of Murder. Then in two thousand six he had uh, The Host, which is a really really good monster movie. Um, then in two thousand nine. Um, we had Mother, which is which is a really really quite uh, touching film, um, and then uh, in two thousand and thirteen he, he directed uh, Snowpiercer, starring Chris Evans, uh, one of first uh, of two um, kind of joint English South Korean productions. Um, this one uh, starring uh, has has Tilda Swinton in it. Um, Tordeswin also appears in 2017's Okja. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember how you said uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre making you vegan. How could I ever forget? Yeah, yeah. That this one will, will probably probably make you more vegan. Um, oh, Okja. Lovely. Um, and then obviously you know he won won his Oscar for for, for Parasite in 2019. So I just want to kind of finish up with a couple of other things. Um, you know, I th- I think this film really really does show kind of like the genesis of all like his his kind of control. Like you mentioned, the cinematography being really really gorgeous. Um, it, it kind of is followed on through the rest of his work. Um, he always seems to kind of be working in different genres or different um kind of titles, as it were. So you've got action or monster movie or drama or or comedy um or kids film. Um, believe it or not, um, the, with memories of murder, you know that this film is is very. I think it's very very quite artfully done. Um, there is a fantastic every frame of painting video on the kind of the blocking and scene setting of of um, of how he kind of puts characters together and the, the relationship between the characters and the camera, um, which I'm going to link to in the show notes. Um, save me kind of going on about how um how kind of a, a scene is kind of played out how it kind of he typically kind of plays out his scenes um it's 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 a very 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 good video it's like five minutes long along with every other one of the every frame and paintings videos so i really really recommend that cool 
So, what have we got on for next week? So next week uh, we'll be continuing on with our uh, Noir Vember with week two. Um, we're going to be talking about 1938 uh, La Bête Humaine uh, by Jean Renoir. Is that how you say it? La Bête Humaine. Yeah. Um, starring Jean uh, Gava, Gavin Gava. Um, and Simon uh, Simon. Simon um, Simon. I don't know if I, I'm going to just butcher these French names. Simon Simon. Okay. And then we're we're going to be talking um, about that with uh, 1988's uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, starring uh, Bob Hoskins and Christopher Lloyd. Um, a pairing which is going to be really, really kind of odd um, when you kind of think about it. Um, but uh, it's, one, it's one that I'm kind of really, really looking forward to. I think we might have, the, in, in the next episode, we might have a, a theme of infidelity adultery of some sort yeah if you you know if you count patty cake as patty cake as infidelity and adultery maybe so with all that in mind um yeah join us in for next week uh danny where can we find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at kino joan and my website is kinojoan.co.uk and um you can find me on the internet. I'm on Twitter at Nick S. Chandler. My website is supertomovision.com. Um, please uh, drop us an email on uh, keenatomic at gmail.com. Uh, let us know your thoughts on uh, Memories of Murder, on Night of the Hunter, and any kind of other films you want to talk about for, for Noir Vember. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at Keenatomic. Uh, just drop us a follow in there and give us a, a rating or review on whatever podcast channel you're you're listening on so with all that in mind it's a goodbye and a thank you listening from me and a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me